Welcome to the wonderful world of dance, bringing you exclusive interviews with top dancers and choreographers and reviews of the world's best companies across the globe. You can find lots more on our website at thewonderfulworldofdance.com. Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance and today I'm so excited to be speaking with choreographer and dancer Ben Wright who previously danced the lead in the famous Matthew Bourne's Male Swan Lake. I have to mention that because I'm a huge fan of the work. But also he's here today to talk to us about his own company and the new show that he is taking across the UK, currently on tour called Points of Echo, which is going to be on tour until at least the 19th of March. So let's welcome Ben. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Savannah, nice to, nice to be here. So I hear you're down in Cornwall at the moment. Yes, we are actually in Calstock, um, um, which is about 25 minutes drive from uh, Plymouth. And uh, my, it's actually my partner's father's village. So, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> some really great home-cooked meals as well, which is oh, really, wonderful, really particularly on these cold, frosty English afternoons yeah. as it is yeah. here at the moment. So before we talk about your company, let's start first of all just talking a little bit about your own dance career because as I mentioned, you have danced that incredible role as the prince in Matthew Bond's Swan Lake. You've danced mm. with so many companies, the London Contemporary Dance Theatre, the Richard Alston Dance Company, many more. Tell us about your dance career and some of your highlights. It's kind of interesting because I've, I've realised now that I've been not dancing as perfect, sort of dancing as a performer for as long as I was dancing for a performance. Mm. So I'm at that sort of interesting kind of cusp at the moment. Um, I mean, what's to say? I started, I, I did, I had a pretty um, uh, random route into it. When I was 19, I was um, uh, auditioning for drama school, actually. I didn't, I didn't want to be a dancer okay. at all. And um, through a, a series of events, I ended up joining this youth dance company in Derbyshire at the end of the 80s. <clears throat> That's how old I am. And um, I met two individuals that really shifted the trajectory of my life. One of them was um, a ballet, uh, a former ballet dancer from Rombert. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Eve Laveau. And um, she's the mother of the uh, four children, but one of the one of her children is David Laveau, the theatre director, actually. Um, and she uh, saw me in this kind of, I guess it was, you could call it a community ballet class, the first time I'd ever done anything. And afterwards, we had a conversation, and she basically offered to teach me for free. Wow. Um, so I sort of quit everything that I thought I was going to do, and I spent a year in a in a ballet school in Derby with you know pre sort of um, preteens and uh, and little girls dancing around wow. in a true kind of Billy Elliot fashion. Spent a year with her, and then after a year, I, I got in at the uh, the ballet, what was then the Ballet Rombert School um, in St Margaret's. So uh, that was a that was a kind of a bit of a, a launching pad, spectacularly. And then the other person was Lloyd Newson, who was um, he just begun to get some sort of notoriety about his own company, Deviate mm -hmm. um, Physical Theatre. Yeah. And I think those two individuals at that point really they just shifted my entire uh, perspective about everything of what I thought I was going to do and and that's, a, um, that's, a, that's quite amazing isn't it to meet people who completely change your life and yeah did you 
did you not study dance really until you were 19? Did you really oh, come to it quite so late? Absolutely not. I did nothing. I was Unbelievable. Like one of those kids who was, yeah, I can say it, sort of quite badly bullied at school for not being particularly adept at sport, let's okay. say. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I remember at the time this being sort of a, you know, a real revelation that I was able to be physical in a, in a, and physically expressive, and I'd never even considered it. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I kept my kind of acting passion. I, I was really into theatre, but it, yeah. I, I sort of had to drop it. If I was going to be a dancer, I had to just sort of stop that and just train. And that's what I focused on doing. And then I, it was kind of miraculous. At the end, at the end of my, no, the beginning of my third year at Rombert, I actually did an audition for, for Matt. At Sir Matthew, now I should say, mm. <laughs> Sir Matthew, um, and he um, uh, he gave me a role in in his in Adventures in Motion Pictures, which was um, in nineteen ninety one actually, and um, and I left training, so I actually only did two years worth of training, yes. got a job with him, and after about seven or eight months, I'd auditioned for London Contemporary Dance Theatre and got in there. And, and then, yeah, then it just kind of moved on from there. I didn't go back to work with Matt until 2005. Is that right, 2005? Is that when we did it? Sounds about right. Swan. I remember seeing it in London in about 2005. No, 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 no absolutely right. It's oh. 1995. I oh. 1995 is when we did the original Swan Lake at um, the old Sadler's Wells before it was actually um, knocked down and rebuilt. Um, so yeah, I, that's quite a, quite a long time ago. Um, but in the course of that, I, I, I did the role on and off, unbelievably, for about eight years, and um, kind of created the role with Scott Ambler. So um, it's myself, um, David Hughes, who was playing the Swan with Adam Cooper. So we went this kind of dual cast, and um, we did a couple of national tours. It ended up going to. Los Angeles, which yeah. was astonishing. And then we did the incredible season on Broadway um, in 1998, I think. Yeah, into 1999. And the last time I actually performed the role, there were gaps, there were obviously gaps in between. Mm. Um, but I ended up doing it um, in Japan and Korea. That was wow. the last The last time I did it was in Seoul. And I'm actually going there in three weeks' time with Kanduko, with my new job as their, one of their associate artistic, um, sorry, um, Artistic co-director, that's our term. Artistic co-director. Yes, my... yeah, yeah. quite the title. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's um, an incredible career that you've had and what an incredible and inspiring story to hear. Really, I think it's quite an important story as well in terms of being quite open about the bullying that you experienced at school and then finding an environment where physically and possibly emotionally you felt really safe and can express yourself yeah. in the dance yeah. world yeah it was i mean it was it was a it was a kind of it sounds a little bit dramatic but i think it was a bit of a lifesaver actually yeah. at the time. and um and it, and in terms of the kind of generosity and altruism that eve showed me mm -hmm. um was it was you know it's unprecedented and and so it is one of the reasons why I firmly committed to, you know, one might have a performing practice or a choreographic practice or directing, but for me, teaching is also an absolutely enormous part of, of, of what I do and who I am. So I'm also very committed and passionate about 
working with young people. Um, um, it's a very different environment that we live in now, definitely in terms of the arts yes. funding um, system. But I still believe that this is a um, it's a um, it's a life changing force. Dancing, I think. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Mm. Absolutely. And after this extensive career you've had, and I still am reeling from the fact that you didn't start dancing until nineteen, which is just almost, <laughs> as you say, unprecedented in itself. Um, in fact, it shares a few parallels with with uh, Matthew Bourne himself as well, coming to, yeah. to his career so late. That's interesting. But what inspired you? As, as you say, you've been dancing for almost as long as you've now been creating work. What inspired you in the beginning to start creating your own work? Um, it's a weird thing. I've, I've always sort of done it. I've, I, I always did it. I realised, I remember my first year at Rombo, it seemed a natural thing that as well as learning how to um, better one's technique, open one's curiosity, etc., that it seemed a natural thing to also want to take creative decisions or explore that and I I guess I'd always I'd, I'd done I'd done sort of stage design and graphic design and art when I was at school so sort of having that making gene if you like has always mm -hmm. been present in my life and um, but I I didn't I don't think I really took it, uh, it I didn't take it seriously but I, I'm always I'm nervous about using the word serious because I feel yeah. like sometimes it's better to be um, playful with <laughs> explorative yeah um, was in 2008 um, when I decided to kind of build my own or build my own home if you like which was this project company B Group um, that said I had I think it was 2000 it was 2005 when I actually did my first opera um, as a choreographer as well and I'd, I'd been kind of trying to work out how how I could diversify a little bit more in terms of my income streams, let's mm -hmm. say. And, and because I had this interest in theatre and, and sort of cross-art kind of collaboration, uh, it seemed natural that I would try and extend myself into, into other, other mediums. So, um, again, I, I was just incredibly lucky. I met this amazing man, um, Stuart Lang, who's di director designer, and he came to see this, this piece that I'd actually done at the Young Vic, um, called Tobias and the Angel, where I'd been working with a lot of community participants. And it's a, um, an amazing um, one-act opera by Jonathan Dove that we, uh, we performed uh, at the Young Vic and in churches up and down the country. Um, and uh, from that, he gave me uh, the invitation to come and choreograph Faust by Guno for Malmo Opera. And it's one of those beautiful, you know, I can go, okay, that's where the seed lay. And my entire relationship with Malmo Opera, with um, Skonis Dance Theatre, all came out from that initial that in initial job. So, you know, I ended up being the Associate Artistic Director and I've created some of my biggest and most game-changing work over there, actually. Um, so there are these lovely cycles and, and um, runs of experience that, that come when you kind of, you put a seed in fertile ground. Yeah. And again, your life taken in an, uh, a direction that you possibly had never really considered um, no, before. No, no. And you, as you say, you create work you know, within the dance world, theatre and opera. Do you find one more fulfilling and if so, why? Or challenging? Um, 
No, I don't. I think I'm always going to be, I'm always going to be somebody that's interested in the collision, a collision of art forms. It's, it's sort of in my blood. And, and I, I'm beginning to not be ashamed of the fact that I just really like putting on a show. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> um, nothing to be ashamed of in that. <laughs> and I, I, um, so I, I have, you know, I have, I have an explorative practice, but I have ideas for things that I kind of want to, I'd like to see. So I would say I'd, I'd give this a plug right now that um, probably the biggest game changing piece I've done in the last few years was the feeling of going, which um, was a commission that also Soderbergh, who's the director, the artistic director and CEO of Scornless Dance Theatre offered me. Um, and basically she gave me the opera house at Malmo with a full symphony orchestra and the chorus and mm. said, what would you like to do? So we premiered the first version of the project in the end of 2013. And what it was, was a staging of um, Jonsi, who's the lead singer of Sigaross, um, the Icelandic band. Um, he did an album called Go, um, which is about eight years ago now. Um, anyway, he gave, he gave me permission to stage it as, as, a, as a piece of theatre. And um, we've just filmed it for television. And uh, I've actually just received the, I've just watched it for the first time. Um, so we did it in 2013, we redid it in 2015, and then we just, we finally did the final run of it in uh, the end of 2017. And um, it's been broadcast all over Scandinavian television. We're trying to work out how to get it here to the UK. But it's, it is, for me, it feels like um, some clearer identification, if you like, in terms of what I think my voice is. And it is a total collision of, of singing, dancing, and theatre. Um, it's, uh, it has um, a large, I would say quite um, a linear narrative in it. I think I am interested in narrative. Um, and I'm just really hoping that well, it, it sounds amazing. I, yeah, I, love, I, I really do hope that you find a way of being able to bring that over to the UK. The, um, the, it was filmed by Three Minutes West, who just did Betrothenheide, which was um, Crystal Pites' piece that was just at Sadler's yes, Well. Yeah. Same film company. So it's a pretty, um, yeah, it's an amazing thing that's happened. So I feel like I'm just on the edge of that as well, just waiting to see. It's just about to, we're going on, I'm going to Sweden on Monday to actually um, see the informal preview of it in a cinema. So um, that's great. Amazing. Yeah, well, it sounds quite almost like a, a difficult piece almost. It sounds incredible, but working with a live orchestra and working in theatre and, and bringing, being able to bring all those pieces together. Um, it sort of brings me to how you've badged your own company, B Group, mm. as a movement company, not a dance company. Um, it's sort of how I... How, I read about it, mm. um, and you talk about this being, you know, quite indicative of your work. But how would you describe your movement language or that movement style? Honestly, I don't know if I have a. Well, people have told me that I have a very liquid way of moving. That's something that somebody mm -hmm. else said about me. Um, I, I. I think each piece that I make has its own identity, its own set of questions, its own context. So I'm not, I'm not really interested in having a style per se. It has to be, for me, it's about 
the people that are in the room, um, my, the creative team that I've gathered, the initial idea, and then getting every, everybody on board on a, on a shared ambition. So collaboration is really, really key for me. And, um, um, work, you know, and you can go in with expectations, but usually they, I, I enjoy the mercuriality of that and the alchemy of getting a group of people together and saying, I've had this idea, it's something like this, what did we think? And we, we start to kind of build it. So there's, there are, there's a devising engine, I think, at the, at the, in the heart of most things I do. Um, I don't even want to stick necessarily to be somebody that makes work in a particular size of, of space. I mean, Point of Echoes is a, um, I suppose, quite an experimental piece in a way. It's, I wanted to, having just <laughs> done the feeling of going uh, on uh, at Malmo Opera, which is apparently the, one of the biggest stages in Northern Europe. It's just huge with a 19-meter revolving stage on it. I mean, it's just yes. Um, but uh, Point of Echoes is being performed on a four and a half meter circular stage in village halls. And, and I really enjoy the idea of bringing a, a sort of a, a level of, of the operatic. And I mean that in a sense of how all art forms collide into proximate small spaces. And um, I think B Group, B Group haven't actually done anything since 2014. Um, and because I went to Sweden for four years to, to work yeah. as associate artistic director. So it's really nice to come back and uh, find a new way of engaging with audiences at this level. This, this piece, the Point of Echoes, I should, I'm ram if I'm rambling, shut me up. No, it's um, absolutely interesting. It's, yeah, um, please, It was <laughs> a, a collaboration with myself, foundationally between myself and Stuart Warwick, who is a... Uh, um, a writer and uh, singer-songwriter from Brighton. We'd had this idea of just doing something together and we were responding to uh, a commission uh, invitation from the um, Rural Touring Dance Initiative. Um, I'm also working with um, a sound designer, um, uh, Alan Stone, who I've worked with for 20 years, and uh, Will Holt, who is a um, set designer. There's a really great um, blog that he's just written, actually, about how he designed for, um, for village halls. And then Lucy Hansom um, is a, a female lighting designer from the place that I've, uh, I'm building a new relationship with. But so it's, it's about bringing lots of voices into the room, working out how we, how we speak as, as, as one voice, if you like. And that's the same irrespective of whether it is Calstock Village Hall or it is Malmo Opera or is the, um, the other larger spaces that we've inhabited. Uh, yeah. So you, you mentioned there that you know, this, um, this piece will be performed on a four and a half metre round evolving or revolving stage yeah. rather. It's, um, it's not revolving, it's no, static. But it's oh, circular. static. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I, was, I thought that was quite, quite intriguing. Um, so a static stage. And what can audiences uh, expect from that experience of um, being um, in that location and in that proximity? I, uh, I, the initiative um, with around, around the Commission My Understanding was to bring more dance into um, rural locations, potentially into, to meet audiences that don't necessarily have a, uh, a wide experience of, work, of, of seeing dance. And so I, I, I tried to pitch this quite carefully that I wanted to play around with story. Um, I also wanted to play around with text. 
And um, so this is a, it really is a, um, a, a melting pot, a bit of a crucible of, of, of um, mediums. It's even got a big surround sound around it. So it actually feels like you're in a radio play as well. So, wow. it's, uh, so fundamentally it's a story. Um, and I've tried to twist the way that that story is told. And the environment, although it's a static sort of circular lighthouse-esque thing in the middle of the, the room, um, we've tried to kind of ingeniously find a way of kind of um, shifting the space. So it's this very kind of fluid, it's a little bit, when I look at it sometimes now, it's, it feels a little bit like an episode, like a kinetic episode of um, Roald Dahl's Tales of the Unexpected or something. It's, oh, good. fantastic. It's, it's, pretty, it's quite spooky. And it is, a, and fundamentally at its high, it is a play, but it's actually being performed by three uh, movement-based artists. So it was a, it was an, it was a, there's an experiment to it as well as hopefully yeah. it being something of entertainment for people um, up and down the country. And it's on tour at the moment. Uh, what sort of feedback have you had from the audiences and the rural communities where you're taking dance, which I think is a fantastic initiative and the yeah. more we can do to you know, expose dance and share dance, I think is wonderful. I, I, for me, if, um, it, sh it should, I should also say like strategically, if I can say that, I'm, yeah. I am really, really into this whole village hall scenario there's yeah. something so beautiful about being invited into someone else's space because that they choose the show that they want to to to, to, to visit their community and um i i mean it's made me really think about where i want to position b group actually like is this something is this our little is this our niche? Is this where we mm. actually kind of want to make work? Um, audience reaction so far has been, I think some people come, when you say contemporary dance, some people just don't come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're already they don't quite know what that means. It's like yeah. a barrier. It's so nebulous. What the hell is that? And of course, yeah. it, it can be anything. I mean, you know, contemporary dance, what is that? It's, it's about movement-based work that's being made now, mm. you know. And it needs a new so, hashtag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I think people uh, have been surprised, um, a little bit creeped out sometimes in a good way. Um, fundamental to it, as I've said, is it, it really is a story. We wanted to tell a story. And so that's, that's kind of what people are, are, are engaging with. But it's, um, I think uh, I've been really happy by the response. I, re I really have. You know, and we've done three, we did a pilot tour at the end of, towards the end of last year, before I went back to Sweden to make Feeling of Going. And then this is our spring tour. And in inevitably, I'm, while I'm on the road with them, when I can be on the road, um, I'm tweaking it and examining it. It's never a fixed thing for me. It's something that's kind of living. And, it's uh, fluidity again. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, and we're, as, a, as a group as well, we're, I've left them for the last four shows. They've been on their own. It's been so nice yesterday coming back and actually seeing how the work has just sort of dropped in into their bodies in a much more kind of cellular way. Um, they're, they're, they're a superb, there are only three of them on stage and it's, uh, they're an amazing team. That's, that for me, that's a real important, crucial ingredient that you get the right team. Absolutely. And what, what do you look for in artists to join your company and to work um, with you? I guess it, it also depends on the context of what the, what the job is. But in terms of B Group, I'm really interested in people that are um, expansive in their thinking, that are generous communicators, that um, are happy to 
um, potentially move a little bit out of their comfort zone. Um, people that have a sense of humor. Oh my God, that is, that just cannot be underlined too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because yeah. you think, oh, you know, you want someone, you know, um, no, technically and, brilliant, no, just someone who's really quite yeah, like, it? I, entertaining would be great. Yeah. That's not, that is not my, I mean, yes, they need to be able to move. Yes, they of need course, to have yeah. a mental relationship to gravity. Yes, they need to be able to um, express themselves um, vocally, definitely for this job. But it, it is also for me, it's like, I don't, I, I'm not interested in one sort of spectacular pyrotechnic sort of ability. It's like, for me, it's about the person. Um, and, and, and I, I, I enjoy being, um, having my expectations about somebody really challenged or surprised or altered. Yeah, that's um, right. It's, uh, yeah, they, I think we're having, we're having a really great, a long conversation. It needs to be people that are committed to a long conversation about what the work is and, and how we might do it better or more optimally. And, and is there a, a longer conversation when you, when you draw a comma behind, next to a show? Because I also feel like it's a, a longer line of inquiry rather than like we do a show, that's the end. It's actually about how do we make work? How do we engage audiences? How do we, um, how do we tell stories? How do we get people having a physical experience even though they're sitting down in a seat? I don't know, there's lots of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just going back to um, your point about uh, you know, working with great people, I mean, your uh, artistic directorship um, role and also your co-artistic directorship of um, Kandoko, um, yeah. uh, and you've got B groups, so you've got these three really interesting recent um, and um, experiences and your experiences now um, of such a larger company, your own company and a quite a, a medium sized company. Mm. How, how's your experience being moving from um, between those three roles and those three companies? Um, well, my time, uh, my time is going to get more and more focused with Kanduko at mm -hmm. the moment. Um, I have one more commission at Scornest Dance Theatre, which we premiere in October um, this year. And interestingly, it's a, it's a big inclusive piece with um, asylum seekers, disabled individuals, oh, um, and six, eight members of the, of the dance company. And again, it's on at the opera. It, again, it's with a huge symphony orchestra. We're doing um, La Valse by Ravel, which is going to be amazing. Um, so that's that's one thing I'm doing. I know that I'm heading up for. Um, B Group, uh, once we have a tour at the end of this year, um, which in includes, so in the autumn, which is the culminating bit probably of this, this project, um, we'll be at the Place um, Theatre, and uh, I think it's three, three or four weeks of touring around that. That's all being kind of finalised at the moment. But Kanduko is, is an, an entirely new trajectory, if you like. I, I actually said to a friend the other day that when I, I remember when I first... Um, step foot in a ballet class and you have you have the um the passion and the curiosity to work out how to do it but it's it's also like I, my my vision for the thing is is beyond my capabilities yet that's what it felt like when i'm in, mm -hmm. in a ballet class and there is there's a there's a resonance um with that at the moment where i've not run a large scale npo um company before i'm doing it with one of my closest best friends charlotte derbyshire we've known each other since we danced in ricochet in 
2003 or four, I think I've known I've known her since then. Um, no, actually more. My God, I think it's actually 2001. Oh God, I'm so old. <laughs> Time um, flies when you're having fun. Um, but this is a this is a it's a very different kind of role. I mean, we are um, you know running a company that's been in existence for 25 years. Yeah, um, great reputation. One that has um, inclusivity mm-hmm. so embedded in its in its heart and its DNA. Yeah, and, so vital. Yeah, and I and I think really thinking about we're really thinking about difference at the moment. We're only five weeks into the job, sharing the job, okay. so it's really really new. And I guess um, one of the things we're really understanding is that the identity of Kanduko. That, um, masters is probably not the right word, but there are, there's a dichotomy of influence. Let's put that put it that way. That you have the politics around disability, yeah. and then you also have the nature of what dance is as an art form. Yes. And and those two are very um, voluminous and uh, rich areas of inquiry and uh, and activism and activism actually. So the responsibility to uh, ensure that uh, we are um, upholding. And uh, and enriching the legacy that we that the inheritance that we already have at them, and but yet also also thinking how would we subtly begin to move move this um, uh, into uh, an expanded an expanded sense, if you like. I think we I think there's been a, a moment where the, the company has really in the past shifted perception of ability, and I think one of the things that Charlotte and myself are are ruminating on at the moment is. Um, how do we also um, sort of shift our perception of inclusivity? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say much more about it than that, but it's we're 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 in um, a very rich creative conversation, the two of us and the company are phenomenal. I should say as well, we're at Sadler's Wells um, in two weeks. We're yes. on the ninth and tenth. Um, there are tickets still available. <laughs> Get those at saddlerswells.com. <laughs> yeah. There's a plug for you. <laughs> so, and we've got an amazing program um, of work by Yasmin Goda, mm-hmm. um, which should be the London premiere of her face in. She's the most extraordinary, um, vivid, visionary, kinetic field of intention. It's just phenomenal. Um, and then this uh, really smart as a whip. Um, piece called Can We Talk About This by Hatain Patel, who's a visual artist. Um, both of the pieces were actually um, commissioned by um, Stina and Pedro, the, the previous directors of Kanduko, but they are a marvellous inheritance to be um, tending at the moment. Um, and then I should say as well that we then go to Korea um, uh, to premiere the work of um, a company called, uh, a choreograph called uh, Unmi An which is part of the cultural uh, Olympiad around the Winter Olympics. So I'm... What a I, year. I've you really got, got three hats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And actually, it's a, it's a very spiritual thing to kind of go like, right, I have to be here in the moment dealing with this, mm. and then I take that hat off. And isn't, there, isn't, there, isn't that something that happens in Harry Potter, where they have to put different hats? <laughs> I've read it, it somewhere. I've read it somewhere. In this, yeah. in this mystical world of, of yeah. dance, which has yeah. such a, an incredible spectrum, and... What you're describing there, coming from your own experience, your own spectrum, and 
what audiences get to experience as a result of your creative output and your creative collaborations just sound absolutely phenomenal and I know that I'm really looking forward to seeing the work and I just hope that as many people can get out and, and see the work of B Group and go and see Points of Echoes as it's touring across the, the rural regions and the performances um, that you talked about there with Kanduku in Saddles Worlds and this incredible filmatic piece that I'd love you to be able to bring over in the show in the UK. It's, um, I think just, it just was, there, there was a broadcaster's convention in Berlin and I'm, I'm, we've, that was last week, and I'm, I'm waiting to hear how things, apparently it, got, it went down very well. So watch this space on that. Nothing, nothing would give me more joy to somehow get that presented in, in the UK somehow, screened somewhere in the UK. Definitely. So Ben, my final question then yeah. um, is, do you have any words of advice for other emerging choreographers um, or aspiring artistic directors um, who, perhaps would like to be inspired by your personal story and the work that you are creating and companies you're leading. Any advice for emerging artists? Um, I guess the, the advice would, would gently shift depending on where the person was in their life. Um, if it's a young person and they are finding particular joy in what they do, um, just know that the more you make yourself vulnerable to joy on an increased basis, that's the um, seedbed of passion. And I think that's where passion grows from. And in fact, saying that, it's worth remembering that at every single point in our lives, that's actually what is, that's, we need to retain our passion. And um, maybe that's it. Okay, I'm just gonna say that. Let's just stick with joy, Let's stick with joy, joy and passion because actually, as you get older, um, you realize that you know you you move into a profession and uh, and I would say you know an industry I mean people talk about show business so there's a whole nother level of um, uh, things you need to consider about yeah. how you how you sustain your life as an artist but I think unless you have retained your ability to be vulnerable to joy and to um, to keep your passion um, buoyant, um, then it's harder. And that also means like making sure that you're connected to a community, make sure that you take, you don't, uh, that you, this is something else I'm learning at the moment, choose contentment rather than validation. Just, just like, as long as you're content in what you're doing, that's actually ultimately matters. That's the engine. You want to get down to the basic engine, the thing that's really driving you because it is hard it is really hard work at times and uh, community is important your passion is important and uh, and your integrity i think that's that's the thing that i would say yeah that's, uh, that is um those words i think are so so wonderful to end on joy passion community personal contentment um, within an industry that is so so fantastic thank you so much ben Best of like for the Points of Echoes tour and check out it's it's touring until the nineteenth of March is that right? It is. I won't, I'm I'm going to be in Korea sadly over the last few shows which I'm sort of really sad about. I'm excited about being in Korea. This is when you have 
you have to choose a hat. Clashing diaries. Career calls. Leave it to your three incredible artists who will be able yeah. to exactly. continue the show in your absence until the 19th of March. Yeah. So for locations, dates and tickets, uh, visit chinaplatetheatre.com and there's a page for point, uh, point, it's called point hyphen echoes, but just look for the page for points of echo and you can get your tickets there. And also, if you want to learn a little bit more about Ben, um, I will also plug Ben's personal uh, website, just because the story is so very inspiring, particularly for the young male um, aspiring dancers who perhaps want to have some additional um, inspiration. Go visit benwright.info and um, follow our socials as well. Thanks so much, yeah. Ben. Thank you so much. Lovely chatting to you. Have a great Thank evening. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe. We've got some incredible interviews coming up with principal ballerinas and renowned choreographers. We love dance and ballet, and we hope you'll love us. Join us on Facebook and Twitter.